Welcome to Mutterings from a Bald Guy podcast. My name is Chet, your host. You will find sermons and teachings that put Scripture in its rightful place of authority on this podcast. If you like this episode or any, could you tap five stars and leave me a review? When you tap those stars and leave a review, that significantly helps me spread more salt in a morally decaying world. Hey, let's bring life to the dead together. Hello. Yellow. I was just making a joke. So, you know, didn't work very well. I'll try again next time. Um, so this morning, I have a, a special friend in town. His name is John Nugaris, and he's got more degrees than a thermometer, so I won't tell them all to you. Um, but more importantly than that, he's a dear friend of mine and a brother. John and I started the undergrad program in New Orleans around the same time, and uh, we beat our heads together many a days at the cafe table studying Greek, and uh, he always made better grades than me, so I'll just go ahead and put that out there right now. <laughs> Uh, but Olivia and Esther's with him, and they're traveling through. So I asked John to share a few words with us this morning before I preach, because I think it's important for us to hear from as many people as possible the truth, the truth centered in God's word. Many of us are being pulled in every which direction with the things we hear on TV, with the things we see on social media, with the things we hear our family say. And so sometimes it's really difficult to decipher the truth if you're not rooted in the word of God. So I asked John to come share a few words with us. So come on up, brother. Thank you, brother. Well, all glory to God for everything that he does. And good morning to everybody. Good to be here. This is kind of impromptu. He asked me probably about, what, 20 minutes before we came here? <laughs> hey, can you say something? So, um, you know... I just wanted to share with you, I know we're in some turbulent and uncertain times, and I want to just share some encouragement with you all. You know, we just got done singing some really amazing songs, some hymns, some contemporary songs. We sang about how there's victory in Jesus, my Savior, forever. There's victory in Jesus, not in anything I could do, not in anything this world offers, but in Jesus and Jesus alone. And then we just got done singing about how Every fear I lay at your feet with my hands lifted high. I, my, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. I sing through the night. The battle belongs to God. We feel in our lives, in our everyday, like we can handle it. We've got this. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got this. And then we find ourselves in a place where we might be anxious, nervous, fearful, to even, even to a point of depression where like, oh man, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like, what can I do? I can't do anything. And you know, we're, we're in these times and I'll just, hey, look, I'm the visiting guy. So I'll just say it, the COVID times and, and we don't know what's going on. We know things are up and they're down and things are getting better and then they're not. And like Pastor Chet said, we hear from the news, we hear from the media, we hear from social media, we hear from our friends, lots of things. And I love how he put in your bulletin. So go ahead and read your bulletin this week. But I think it's this handout here. He wrote a little letter to you. And in this letter, he's challenging you to seek out scripture and know what God has to say and know that he has, have confidence that he has victory. He has a victory and he's got this. And so check your sources, check, make sure everything that you hear and see and read is true. But you know 
and you could trust this. And those of you who have questions about whether this is reliable or trustworthy, please ask the questions. Don't just go on thinking, well, you know, it's been changed over years, so this is that. Or Don't just believe the lies, but ask the hard questions and get the answers. And if you don't get the answers, seek it out. Seek truth always in all things. So I want to share a couple of quick verses with you because he only gave me a few minutes, and I told him I could keep going, so I'm going to try to respect that time. All right, Philippians chapter 4, some verses that many of us might be familiar with, but we kind of read over them real quick. Paul starts, and he's writing to the church at Philippi, and he's in prison. He's in jail. He's locked up, chained to a Roman guard day in and day out. And he's using it for the glory of God. He's preaching the gospel there in Rome to the guards, but he doesn't know what his future looks like. He might be executed. In fact, in the book, he writes, I may come, I may not, to the church at Philippi. But he wants to go visit them, but he doesn't know if he's even going to get out or if he's going to die, if he's going to be executed. And so he writes to them in the midst of his trial, in the midst of his circumstances, in in chapter 4, starting with verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So he tells them to rejoice. He's in bonds. He's in chains. He's in shackles. And he's telling them to rejoice. And he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, or your gentleness, being kind to one another, loving one another, tenderhearted, being that light to others. He says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. We don't know when he's coming, but we know that he's coming. And we can, we, we know that we can rejoice in that he is coming. And we can look forward to that day. It might be today. It might be tomorrow. It might be many generations from now. But we could rejoice because he's coming. And back then, they thought he was coming any single, any day, any moment. And they lived that way, and he was challenging them to live that way. And so I want to challenge you all to live that way. To live as if at any moment the Lord may come. We get tangled up in the world. We get tangled up in social media. We get tangled up in the news. We get tangled up in the things that we're told and the fear. And, and, and the Lord has the victory. He's already won the battle. And he continues on. He says, do not be anxious about anything. He knew what was in their hearts. He knew there was anxiety. He knew there was stress. He said, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, so just like that song, on my knees, with my hands lifted high, give it to God. Give it to him. Peter tells us to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. Give it to the Lord. Really give it to him and trust him with it. Don't be anxious in anything. He said, But in everything, my prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, don't forget to be thankful for the many blessings. Count your blessings. You know, the old song, name them one by one. You know, I've found myself in places where, like, I'm just stressed and tired and just, I can't believe all this is going on. I can't believe we've got to do this again or we've got to do that or they're, they're, you know, making all these new rules. But then I realize I have so much to be thankful for. The Lord has blessed me, and he's blessed each of you so very much with thankfulness, thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And this is what he tells us. We'll have the peace of God, not the peace of this world. There's no peace in this world, but the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Guards will guard 
Well, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You got to guard your hearts and your minds. The world, the world will tear you down. The world will lead you astray. The, the world wants to chew you up and spit you out. But the victory is in Christ. So him knowing this, Paul knowing that we could let our minds go run astray and go in all these different directions, he charges them with how to handle this. He says, finally, brothers, in verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He doesn't say think about COVID. He doesn't say think about masks. He doesn't say think about vaccines. He doesn't say think about schools opening or closing. Yeah, we need to deal with that because we live in this world, right? But think on those things that bring godliness, that bring righteousness, that bring you closer in your walk with Christ. Think on those things. And then he continues, what you have learned and what you have received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. What you have learned and what you have seen in me, what you have learned and what you have seen from Brother Chet here. Think on those things, practice those things, and the God of peace will be with you. And so I'm going to give this time back over to, to Chet and say, seek out the word for yourself, know it. And when you hear stuff and you read stuff and it gets you nervous and it gets you sad or anxious, seek out the sources, seek out the truth. And focus on those things that are above, on things below. This all is passing away. This world is passing away. It's going to be gone. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Praise God. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. This is all going to pass away. There's going to be no more tears or sorrow if you are in Christ Jesus. So my final challenge to you before I give you back. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have no hope. There's only hope found in Jesus Christ. That's the only place. Every other way is going to fail, and it's going to let you down. There's only hope found in Jesus Christ. All these promises are to those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So if you have not done that, see my brother here, and he'll help you figure that out. Jeff? Amen. Thank you, John. So if you would turn with me, if you have your Bibles or if you want to follow along on the screen or on your phone, John chapter 15, John chapter 15, starting in verse 18. And while we're getting there, John chapter 20, verse 31 is the theme. And the theme is? Belief, belief, belief. So we see in John chapter 20, verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, thank you so much for my brother John who came up here and encouraged us and pointed us to the truth. Father, may we not forget where the truth is found. We tend to seek in all the other places besides the place that you told us to seek. May we stay rooted. May we read. May we meditate upon your word, Father, more than we digest other content. 
May we be more enthralled and in awe with you and your glory than we are with the well speakers and the orators of our day and the people with charismatic personalities. May you and your word be more attractive to us than anything else this world has to offer. Father, help us to leave here transformed. And if there's anyone in this room, Father, that does not have a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, I pray that they would look upon the cross, realize that he is Lord, confess their sin, Father, and be made new again. It's in your name I pray, amen. So John Badby, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of John Badby, but John Badby was a simple man who tailored for a living and he had a strong mind and piety. He did not believe that any priest could change the Lord's Supper literally into Christ's body and Christ's blood, which in other words is called transubstantiation. Of course, he was around the years of 1399 to 1413. This is whenever he, quote unquote, committed heresy against the Catholic Church. He was arraigned before the bishop of Worcester, John Badby told the bishop that if priests could change this bread and this wine into Christ's body and blood, then there would be 20,000 gods walking around. Of course, that didn't sit well at this time. So John Badby refused to repent. And of course, what do you think happened? He died. Now, this is interesting because as John was being tied down to a barrel with very dry wood outside and inside the barrel, they lit the fire and he started to scream. He screamed in agony. I mean, you can just imagine what that would feel like to be surrounded by fire and your skin burning. I would imagine it would be an agonizing cry of a sort that only you would be able to do with that type of pain. Now, Prince Hal and William Courtney begged John to recant. John, don't do this. Just, just recant from this heresy so you can live and you can survive. But what did John do? He would not. When the fire began again, he refused with more resolve. And of course, his body was burned to ashes. Do we live in this type of culture today? No, not in America. Not in America. But in other countries like China, where there are over 100 million Christians, this was a few years ago that I got these uh, stats. That's, it's much larger now. The underground church in China has exploded every year. Pastors are arrested and imprisoned because according to the Chinese government, they're equal to David Koresh from Waco. How dare you have a house church? You go against all our governmental policies. You cannot teach this Christ. One pastor, Peter Zhu Youngs, was sentenced to serve three years in a labor camp for having a church in his home. Listen, friends, discipleship is costly, and whoever chooses to follow Jesus must be ready to experience conflict. Go to the next one, Nolan. Discipleship is costly, and whoever chooses to follow Jesus must be ready to experience conflict. This is the bottom line. Y'all ready? I'm just going to fish it out to you right now. If you are a true disciple and follower of Jesus Christ, you will experience conflict. The early church experienced conflict all through the ages and generations to come have experienced conflict by following Jesus Christ. 
Many have died by following Jesus Christ. John 15, starting in verse 18. This is Jesus still teaching his disciples as we walk through these next couple chapters. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Verse 21. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else has done, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this happened so that the statement written in their law might be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. See, Jesus was hated because he exposed the darkness. Jesus was hated because he exposed the dark deeds of man when he was walking the earth. And I got some news for you, friends. He's still exposing darkness today because he is still the true light. John 3.20, for everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. When I was living my life of complete darkness, I couldn't stand the daytime. As a matter of fact, I despised hearing the birds chirp in the morning because I knew the sun was coming up. I stayed up all night, every night, doing what I did. And when I heard those birds chirping, I would get depressed and anxious because it was daytime and people could see me. See, when we live in darkness, we rather be in the dark. When we live in light, we rather be in the light. John 7, 7, the world cannot hate you, but it does hate me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. Now, I believe the story in John chapter 9 is a great example, the man born blind. If you guys remember, he was born blind, Jesus healed him, and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that day could not believe it, so they asked him to come into the synagogue two or three times to clarify his story. Of course, this one man's story warns future disciples reading what the gospel may bring to them. He was excommunicated because he believed, believed in Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you remember, he asked the Pharisees if they wanted to believe. He was already an evangelist. He didn't even know it. See, Christians have passed from death to life. Some of you may be saying, well, if, if, if people are persecuted for being a Christian, what's the point of passing from death to life? Because the point is, it's just like John was mentioning, our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. That's our life. Right now is not our true life. We're on borrowed time. Christians are not of this world and should not expect the world's affections. You ever notice how much we desire to be loved? How much we desire to be praised? How much we desire to be awarded and, and be a great person of success and achievement? We have that deep rooted sense inside of us. What I would submit to you today is that deep rooted desire to be successful and achieve is that God gives you that desire because that desire, if used properly, you'll want to satisfy and glorify your father in heaven and not 
seek the world's affections. Think of it like this. Our brains have a natural tendency to conform. I mean, guys, look, you know, just look at the world today, right? I mean, worldly affections are quite tempting and it feels good to be on the same boat, right? Because if you're in the water and everybody else is in the boat, you kind of start thinking you should be on the boat, amen? Especially if there's sharks swimming around. <laughs> and, and by the way, we are increasingly drifting further and further away from everyone else as Christians, if you haven't noticed. It's becoming more and more apparent, the attacks on Christianity today. Now, listen to this study made by Dr. Gregory Burns. We have a strong tendency to adjust our opinions to the group. Listen to this study. A group of people were asked a certain question, and they got that question right 86% of the time, but they didn't know it. So Dr. Gregory stands up and says, well, you chose this question, but the whole group really chose this question. So do you want to change your answer or keep it the same? Listen to what happened. Almost a third of those tested abandoned the correct answer in order to conform with the opinion of the group. Now, you may never be called upon to defend traditional marriage while your coworkers back homosexual marriage, but if you are, will you stand up for the truth or conform to the conclusions of the group? But let me just throw this caveat in. If you do it any other way than with love, keep your mouth shut. And I'll tell you why I'm using strong words right now. Because if you are using words of anger and hostility, you are being a terrible, terrible witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You stand up with love. There's a way to stand up with love and not hatred. There's a way. Christians have been doing it from the beginning of Jesus Christ. Christians have been dying gracefully for the love of Jesus Christ. Christians have been standing up for their fellow man since the beginning of time, willing to die with love and compassion and not hatred. And of course, the same is true in business meetings. You guys know this. It's, it happens in our church and every church. The question is, do people stand up for what's right according to God's word or what the majority emotional opinion is in the group. Amen? Amen. We have this tendency to conform, but I, what I want to challenge you with today is that we should have more of a tendency to understand what we believe in the Scripture. Not what anybody else believes, but we need to be rooted in here. We need to be rooted in God. Not the majority. Who's the majority? When we go to heaven, are we going to stand before a majority? No, we're going to stand before God Almighty. See, the world's affections are tempting. However, Christ's affections are everlasting. Do you crave more of the world's affections or do you crave more of Christ's affections? That's the question we need to ask ourselves this morning. See, we all crave a peace and a hope that extends further than today. And if you don't believe me, talk to anybody who is not a Christian. They seek it in other religions. They seek it in sacrificial offerings. They seek it in, in deceiving religions about magic. 
They seek it in the ways that they think, their worldview. They seek peace and hope. We all want peace and hope. And if we try to give the world peace and hope with anger and hostility, we're defeating the purpose. See, that peace and hope can only be found in the true vine, Jesus Christ. As bearers of God's word, we need to understand that our faith ancestors counted the cost. And you know what that cost was for many of them? It was their life. I used to sit in on church invitations and I was told that all you had to do, all you had to do was just walk down the aisle. You know, you, you, you take, you know, you stand up, you walk down the aisle, you say a little prayer and you're good. I have a serious issue with that. I do not believe in works-based salvation. I do believe when you look at the definition of belief in the scripture, especially in John, that belief carries a weight of surrender and repentance. Belief carries a genuine, genuine, authentic choice, decision. And when we make that decision, we make a decision at that point that we are willing to die. I know, I know this is unpopular, but turn to somebody and say, are you willing to die? Y'all didn't want to say that one, huh? (laughs) Come on, preacher. Can you say something like, I love you, baby? You know? (laughs) But that's truly what we do. We we die to self. In the event, when we we look to the cross and we, we see Jesus as Lord, we repent, we turn away all at once. And at that moment, we die to self. It's not something that we do. It's something that the Holy Spirit does in us. Ezekiel 3, 7. But the house of Israel will not want to listen to you because they do not want to listen to me. For the whole house of Israel is hard-headed and hard-hearted. Friends, do not be hard-headed or hard-hearted this morning. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to the word of God this morning. Don't leave another day, another hour, another minute, another second hard-headed or hard-hearted. Do you know the truth? Is the truth in you? Is it real in your life? Or is it something you do because it's something you've always done? Is there a relationship? Is there a vibrancy in your reading? Is there a seeking, pursuing nature in your walk with Christ? Look at what happened to Micaiah when he spoke the truth of Ahab to Jehoshaphat concerning the siege on Remeth Gilead. 1 Kings 22, 24 through 27, he was struck, imprisoned, and starved. Then Zedekiah, son of Shanana, came up and hit Micaiah on the cheek and demanded, did the Spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you? Micaiah replied, you will soon see when you go to hide in the inner chamber that day. Then the king of Israel ordered, take Micaiah and return him to Amon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, this is what the king says, put this guy in prison and feed him only a little bread and water until I come back safely. He spoke truth and he was persecuted for truth. We see examples of that all through the scripture. Listen to this. Jesus says that the guilt of the world is held accountable to God because of his words and works. You know, we like to think we need the, we have the responsibility of convicting the world. Oh, how dare that person? Oh, can't believe that person right there did that. How dare that person do that? 
Oh, this is just a terrible time. We, this person's doing that. That political party's doing that. I can't believe they're telling me to do this, right? It's, it's all this. I can't believe. I can't. The guilt of the world is already held accountable because of God's words and works through Jesus. We don't need to do that job. God's not taking applications to take the Holy Spirit's position. We are his bearers of truth. We're the ones going forth and proclaiming the majesty of God through our love. Remember John 13, through our love for one another? Jesus said, the way the world will know that you love me is when you love one another. Did you ever see Jesus on his, in his walking the three years of his ministry yell at someone or hate them for being a sinner? No, he very kindly, powerfully, in a way that they would understand, spoke truth. That's what we should do. Again, let's go back to the story of the blind man. The Jewish leadership refused to believe, and they kept asking him over and over again about this sign from God. The Jewish leadership did not believe that this was a sign from God, and yet because they claimed to see, Jesus pronounced their guilt. Look at John 9, 41. If you were blind, Jesus told them, this is to the Pharisees, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we sin, we see your sin remains. What's the best part about persecution? The Holy Spirit. Turn to somebody and say the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys heard of William Tyndale? Okay. William Tyndale translated the Bible into English, which was forbidden in his time. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was considered blasphemy to read the Bible in English or translate it in English. And Tyndale was condemned and hung to his death in 1536. His last words were, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And then his body was then burned to ashes after he died from being hung. Now, of course, we know the work of William Tyndale can still be felt today. And John Wycliffe, right, are felt today. These men went against false teaching and stood up for it. And they counted the cost. And the cost came at what? Their life. What made these men so strong into their death? What gave them the resolve and love for fellow man that they would die? Yes, they did have love for their fellow man because they stood up for truth and they wanted their fellow man to know the truth. Why did they not conform? And let me be clear about conforming. I'm not talking about anything political and I'm not talking about what the government's pushing you to do. My When you read John chapter 15, and you especially go into John chapter 16, which we're going to get more into John chapter 16 next week, you will see that there's an emphasis, okay? Jesus is being very clear to not conform. How do we not conform to anything other than Christ? We stay and remain, we abide in Christ. Remember, we talked about that last week. So if we remain and abide in Christ, we will not conform to other things because we are already formed to him. So it, this year, it's one thing that's easy to conform to. Next year, it's going to be something totally different. But the main point and purpose is that we abide in Christ. John 15, 26 through 16, 4. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Verse 27. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. Chapter 16, verse 1. I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. 
They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They would, do the, they would do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I have told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. Now, the title for Holy Spirit is parkletos or paraclete. In the Greek, it means advocate in the judicial sense. Remember, we talked about the judicial sense as far as standing before a jury in a courtroom. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's also an advocate. He's a mediator. He's also a judge. He's God himself. We believe in the Trinity here at Buffalo Baptist Church. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John chapter 15 verse 27 says, You will also testify. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. Now testify is not passive. It's emphatic. It's not, Jesus didn't say, well, you know, I strongly suggest you testify, you know, if you feel like it that day. Oh, Jesus is emphatic. He's saying, you will testify. How can he be so sure? Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus knew, would dwell in the hearts of his disciples. It's the Holy Spirit's power. It's God's power in us that enables us to do these things. Not, it's not of ourselves. It's of God. Four soldiers in Afghanistan were riding in a Jeep when suddenly they were ambushed. They were driving pretty quick up this narrow mountain road, and the only way out was to go in the opposite direction. However, they could not turn the Jeep around without going off the side of the mountain. Terrified, the four jumped out, grabbed a corner, turned the, lifted the Jeep up, a military-grade Jeep, lifted it up, turned it around, and darted to safety. When they got back to base, they bragged about what they had done, and their buddies did not believe them. So they said, well, come out. We'll show you what we did. And they went out, and they tried to lift the Jeep, and they couldn't lift it one inch. What they were able to do when they were terrified and the adrenaline was coursing through their veins, they could not do under normal circumstances. This is what we see in the Holy Spirit. Listen, we will find that the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us what we need in times of persecution and when we testify of Christ. So you may be thinking, okay, I'm ready to die for Jesus if that's what it takes, but how, how will I know what to do or what to say? The scriptures are clear that the Holy Spirit will speak and you will know what to say and you will know what to do. This is a promise from God. And by the way, the Holy Spirit will also convict the world of sin concerning Jesus Christ. It's not our job to do that. Look, we do not need to act like the Holy Spirit and convict people of sin. Like I said earlier, God's not taking applications for the role of the Holy Ghost. What's our purpose? What's our role? It's to abide and dwell in Christ. And what else do we do? We're ready for that day when it's time to testify. Testify about what? about the gospel, about what Jesus has done. See, I think that it's really easy in America, especially for us who have been in church for so long, it's easy for us to lose the beautiful nature of the gospel message in that moment when we were changed and transformed. Have you ever talked to a new believer lately? If you haven't, that's an issue. We need to get some. We need to keep, keep testifying, right? When you talk to a new believer, they are on fire for the Lord. 
Do you remember what that was like for you? I remember what that was like for me, but you know what? You know what's very interesting? Is that there was a time in my Christian walk where I tried to chase that fire. I was like, Lord, I'm not on cloud nine anymore. Like, I, I, I'm not drooling at the mouth reading your word. What's going on? I don't feel you or experience you anymore. I think the Lord does that purposely in some of our lives. And in my life, I believe he's done that because he wants to point me to his truth and his word. Look, friends, we live in an emotionally centric culture. Just because you don't feel God doesn't mean he's not there. God is there. This is where you find him. You need to be centered in the truth, centered in the word. Now, he will speak to you in other ways, no doubt. There have been seasons in my life where God was bringing about a big decision or a big change, and he would speak to me through people in the congregation. There were messages on the radio that I heard that the Lord pointed me to scripture or prayer or something like that. God uses all things. This is his creation. But the question is this. The Spirit promises to provide the courage and strength we need to sustain our witness before hostile audiences. So, Christian, Christian, are you willing to be pressed in persecution and even die for what you believe? Are you willing to be pressed in persecution and even die for what you believe? And I'm not talking about going on the streets rioting, okay? I'm talking about a sacrificial love type of persecution where you are being persecuted because you're standing upon the truth of the gospel message that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he rose from the grave. Are you willing to stand up for that and lose your job? Are you willing to stand up for that and lose your friends? Are you willing to stand up for that and lose every piece of lifestyle that you have? People in China are losing it right now. They're not able to get jobs. They're losing their reputation in their communities. And they're risking their lives to have house churches because they can't corporately worship. I take that back. They can corporately worship, but they have to conform to the Chinese government. So are you willing? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has not placed their trust in Jesus Christ, Father, that they would realize today the work on the cross has been done, it's been completed, and that they, if they put their faith alone in Christ alone, Father, that they would be saved. And what that means, God, as we know, Father, that when we are saved, Lord, we are made into a new creation. We are born again. We are given a new life. And with that new life comes a promise, a promise of peace and hope here and a promise of eternal peace and hope forever. Father, I pray if there's anyone here that has been experiencing the tug and the pull of the Holy Spirit, Father, that they would be obedient this morning, not for any man or not in fear of any man, but Father, because they want to be obedient to you. And Father, may we not forget as Christians what our role is. Our role is to testify, Father, and to the point of death if that's what it means. And if it's not death and if it's not persecution, we are still to testify and rely on the strength and the courage of the Holy Spirit to do it. We love you, Father, and we give you all the praise and the glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen.